But it really is a privilege to be with you this morning, share the Word of God. I'm really excited. We are in week two now of the series that we're doing on joy. Last week, Hilton started with the J, Jesus, and joy, and shared about that Jesus is the giver of joy. And he also gave the distinction between joy and happiness, because happiness is dependent on happenings. In other words, when things are going well, then we're happy. When things are not going so well, then we're not happy. And so it brought a very powerful word on showing the distinction between joy and happiness. And this morning, I'm going to be picking up on the O, which we've said stands for others. But before I do that, when we were just sitting um, planning the services, Hilton said to me, before he went off and enjoying himself at Belido with his amazing family that's come from all over the world, um, he said to me, he said, I burned myself last week. He says, so are you going to burn yourself? And I thought, and, and just for those of you who are visiting us for the very first time, we don't set ourselves alight in, this, in, in the services. So I'm really, I have no intention of burning myself this morning, but um, we'll see. You know, maybe something comes up where I can burn myself, um, but I'm not too sure about that. Just before I get into the, the message, there, uh, without embarrassing you, there's a, there was a lady sitting behind me and I heard her turn to somebody else and say, do you only have a service in English? And so I will try my best, actually my best to probeer, om jou to, what's it, oblige, om, om dit in Afrikaans te doen vermoorde, so jylle wat nie kan Afrikaans praat nie, jylle moet maar net vastbuit, nee, want hier sit, hier het ons een Afrikaner in ons midst, and Ekmutere, uh, I used to be, I went to an Afrikaans high school, you never think so, but anyway, um, but hey, welcome, so obviously uh, you've, you, you English, but they were asking about, but, but welcome, it's glad, good that you're visiting with us, because otherwise you would have known, ons het nie, miskien a tweede ene, ons kan een aansit, a second service, and I'm wasting all my preaching time, you can start the time in now, right? <laughs> um, as we've said, we really want to keep the services short, and it's very difficult for me with the kind of content that we're looking at to keep it short, but I'll try my best. So God, let's just pray and, and trust for God to really use the word as a challenge, but also a privilege. Because whenever God's word comes to us, regardless of the vessel, it's a privilege that he's speaking. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have of being in your house this morning. We thank you that we've been able to come Father, when we think of so many people who get persecuted for meeting together, we think of so many people who have not had the ability to be able to get to a gathering of people where truly there is an expression of joy. There is an expression of life. So many people at this time, God, experiencing difficulty and tragedy, and yet here we are in your house. So we take a moment as we've already done, God, where we can say, we lift up our hands to say thank you. Thank you that we can be in your presence. Thank you that we can have this time. I take authority over any plan or strategy of the enemy to distract, to steal, to affect this word from being received in fullness today in Jesus' name. 
I bind every working of the enemy, and I forbid you to have any place in this service. And as I'm submitted unto God and resist you, you have to flee. I thank you, God, that your word will not return unto you empty, but accomplish that for which you're sending it this morning, that it will find fertile soil, that people will be alert to be receptive to your words. And Father, that we will not only be hearers of that which we hear, but we will be doers of your word today. We commit this time and thank you, God, for the immense privilege of being your servant to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm looking at the O in joy, as I've already said, which means others. And so we're quickly going to look at a couple of accounts. And the first scripture that I want us to look at this morning comes out of Luke chapter 10, verse 25, in the New Living Translation. It says this, One day an expert of the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Very interesting. I went through every version, and they all say, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I've actually never seen that in the scriptures before, but it, re it re relates to something that's going to affect our futures. And Jesus replies, and he says, what does the law of Moses say? And he's making reference to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. He says, how do you read that scripture? And the man answers and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he goes on and he says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, do this and you will live. So often we focus on the love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, soul, strength. We also do love your neighbor as yourself, but we do not realize that it has eternal value when we do not only love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but when we love our neighbor in the same way. And clearly it's a command of God that's saying to us there's something that can produce life. So we're going to look at two accounts in the Word of God today, and we're going to look at the outcomes of those two accounts, and we're going to measure our lives in the light of those two accounts. The first one being in Genesis chapter 4, and we're reading from verse 1. Adam made love to his wife, don't you, for those who close your ears, actually when I was preparing I thought, I wonder if I should just leave that out. Anyway, she became pregnant. It's something we do, right? Well, not always. Gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil in the course of time. Cain brought some of his fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, let's go 
Do we, I'm already reading the next verse. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Remember there, uh, God's saying, if you do what is right. But anyway, so Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he turns to God and he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord says to him, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And what we see in that account is very clearly the result and the outcome of that situation was death, was separation, was destruction, and was alienation because Cain's response in the situation was, am I my brother's keeper? Cain, was, Cain is not responsible for Abel's health. Cain is not responsible for Abel's choices. Cain is not responsible for the decisions that Abel makes. But Cain is responsible for his response. Cain is responsible for what he was going to do with his resource. And yet his response to God in being questioned about his brother is, am I my brother's keeper? Sometimes, not necessarily spoken, but felt, am I my brother's keeper? The second account that we're just going to quickly look at, and, and probably the most well-known one that we would probably allude to, and that's in the New Testament, would be the Good Samaritan. Because the Good Samaritan is often an account in the Word of God that we use to be able to tell a story about how somebody should be really good. And it's true, it's a classic of how we need to respond to our neighbor, how we need to be responding to our brother. But in this situation, I really, and just by way of information, in the account of the Good Samaritan, the verses that precede the account of the Good Samaritan is where God says, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he goes on to give the account of the Good Samaritan. And so there's an expectation of us responding and behaving in a particular way in which we respond to one another. Bringing joy to others a mandate from heaven. But I want us to look at this account just very quickly. In Mark chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 1. It says, when Jesus returns to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. And while he was preaching, God's, preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. They couldn't bring him into the house because there was just absolute chaos going on outside. They couldn't, they, there was nothing that they could do to get him into the house. And so they made a plan. They dug a hole through the roof above Jesus and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus says to them, he says, my, he speaks to the, the lame man and he says, my child, 
your sins are forgiven. And a response in that context of where a man is starting to have joy infused into his life is this. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. And only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were going to do and what they were thinking. And so he asks them this question. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, stand up, take your, or stand up, take your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and he says to him, stand up, take your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat and walked through and stunned the onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And so we see two responses, even in a situation of where somebody's life is absolutely going to change, they're going to experience great joy because he jumped up, the man was absolutely stunned, the people were stunned, he jumps up and he leaves the room. But the thing about this, and I want to peg this verse, I've already, I've already gone past the verse I wanted to peg, so I'll come back to that one. But I wanted to, want to just show you this. There was something about these men. They dug a hole. Sorry, Nance, I've, I've skipped an image there, so I'm on the second one now. This is the account. They couldn't, no, the image. Sorry, Nance. This struck me when reading this account. They dug a hole in the roof. There was something about these four people. Some of, some of the accounts say they were four friends. Other accounts just say they were four men. But there was something about these four men that were absolutely determined and intentional about bringing joy into another person's life by doing everything they possibly could, could to get him to the feet of Jesus. They dug a hole in the roof. Can you just picture it for a minute? It wasn't like, well, let's just move a tile, and they didn't have a workforce of 50 a tiling. They would, oh, let's just move this tile, and let's just take this plank away, and let's do something. They dug a hole in the roof, determined intentionality to bring joy to their friend, to bring joy into another person's life. I think pretty much contrary to the other one, image one, sorry, Nance, where Cain's response, when God speaks to him, he says, am I my brother's keeper? And so in the world in which we live today, we're living in a pandemic of me, myself, I. We're living in a pandemic of how do I benefit? How much is this gonna cost me? And yet the mandate from heaven is love your neighbor as yourself. We can love God and many times it's very easy to love God because we can't see him. And yet he takes that command a step further by saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Bring joy into the life of others and those around you. Bring joy to your spouse. And the antidote for this, what is the antidote? The antidote, a remedy 
to counteract the effects of a society that is so self-preserved, that is so bent on self-preservation. Me, myself, I. The antidote to that is making a determination to bring joy into the lives of others. God sent Jesus the Messiah into this distressed, discontented, dysfunctional, broken, bent, disillusioned, disorientated society. Jesus came. God saw that humanity needed an infusion of joy, not happiness, but joy. The power to be able to bring transformation, to mend that which is broken, to restore, to bring health, to bring life. And so that mandate from heaven rests upon our shoulders as those who have taken Christmas and allowed it to impact our lives. Jesus came to reverse the pandemic. The story of Cain and Abel, am I my brother's keeper? He came to reverse the pandemic. You see, we are our brother's keeper. The word of God says, by this men shall know that you are my disciples. Know that you are my disciples is your love for one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love is very clear. And it goes on, and I'm, not, I'm just going to, love is patient, it's kind, it's long-suffering, it does not return evil for evil, but repays evil with good. It does not do the opposite when we've been wronged. And by this shall men know that we have love for one another. By this shall we bring joy. By this we shall change the world. You know, what struck me when I was preparing was this. God knew at Christmas that Calvary was coming. God knew at Christmas Calvary was coming. And yet, he still sent his son. He still wanted to bring the joy to the world. God didn't whisper joy. Heaven shouted when Jesus was born. Even though he knew Calvary was coming, even though he knew that his son would have to die on a cross, he was so determined to see that joy would be infused into a disorientated, broken, distressed, dysfunctional humanity by taking that which we're so used to doing, me, myself, I, turning it around. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, Hilton alluded to it last week, but for, because of the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. And so at Christmas, God knew that Calvary was coming. And as disciples of Jesus, we have that mandate, the privilege, 
the joy. If we can see what a privilege it is, there is nothing more fulfilling than bringing joy to another person's life. I don't know, am I the only one that kind of can relate to that? When you're able to be around another person and see just simply by an act of something, not something you necessarily just say. Saying often doesn't cost us very much. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But when, when we do, we see the transformation. And so it's not necessarily how well we say it, but it's how well we do it. And so in order to bring about transformation in an environment, in a community, and I got to ask the question this morning, are you your brother's keeper in your home? Are you your spouse's keeper? Are you your sibling's keeper? Are you your friend's keeper? Are you your acquaintance's keeper? Are you your a stranger's keeper? And it will be evidenced by the fact that we dig a hole through the roof to bring joy. If we have to create immense chaos, if we have to stand and come against everything else that's going on around us in order to bring someone to his feet, to bring life where there is death. So we have to ask ourselves that question today. Bringing joy to others means that I am my brother's keeper. In the UK medical journal, mental health medical journal, it's written. In a medical journal in the UK, they have specifically written, the headline of the article read this, it's good to do good. They've shown and proven that when we do good to others, it actually alters the mental state of a person that is doing good to the other person. And again, mental health is a big subject in our society today. Everything points and revolves to mental health. And how are we thinking? And, and, and the question that we can ask ourselves is, am I bringing joy into another person's life so that joy may be released into mine? And if it's medically documented that when we do good to others, it's good for us, then that is the antidote to a society that lives with a pandemic of, am I my brother's keeper? We need to. Church, we have an amazing opportunity, and particularly in our country today, we have an amazing opportunity to step into that space, to dig a hole through the roof, whether it's through prayer or acts of service and kindness, to dig a hole through the roof, to bring life, to bring liberty, to bring joy into the life of other people. There are 59 one another's in the New Testament. I think God's trying to say something, don't you? When God says something once, we go, cool, that's done it. But 59 one another's that God makes reference to in his word. They're going to come up now. They are. 
because we love one another, we can wait. 59. Be at peace with each other. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Still have to understand what that will mean. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, but carry one another's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another with reverence for Christ. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Encourage one another daily. Build each other up. Spur one another on towards love and good, need, good deeds. Don't grumble against each other. Do not slander one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. mandate from heaven bringing joy to others to counteract the pandemic we ask ourselves two questions today Nancy can you just put up am I my brother's keeper or am I going to dig a hole through the roof I'm going to ask that question that Cain asked of God when he was asked concerning the welfare of his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I going to dig a hole through that roof? We live in a very broken world, church. I am my brother's keeper. You may come have come into this place today. And your life is anything but joyful. I'm not talking about happiness, I'm talking about joy. It's something that Hilton said last week is that joy is given by Jesus. You might have come in here today and you just go, I don't even know how I'm going to get it, find it apprehend it, but what I do know is that I need it. 
No human being can satisfy that longing first. It's first found in Jesus. So I just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never met him who was born on Christmas Day, who will release life and not be disinterested and not be unconcerned, but wants to give you eternal life. I want to give you this opportunity just to respond and say, Adele, I know I need it. And so if that's you, if you just won't mind just showing me where you are, just by indication of putting up your hand, say, Adele, I need you to just pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray for you in a moment. But church, as we stand, let's just stand together. I want you to take a moment. You know, it wasn't supposed to go this route of, it's supposed to be joy, joy to others. But joy to others can be costly, right? Cost God Calvary. But for the joy set before him and he drew the cross. Just take a moment and say, God, have I lived indifferent to him? I'm a brother's keeper, to the responsibility, the mandate from heaven bringing joy to another person's life, bringing joy to my spouse, my children, my siblings, my family, my community. Am I a life bringer or am I one who separates and divides and brings division and discontent? I want to be my brother's keeper. So Father, today, I just pray that you enable us and give us that power and that ability to change our hearts that have been captured by the enemy in ways where we don't feel we're our brother's keeper. I pray today, God, that you birth something in our hearts that is Christmas you brought your son, that Father, you will bring something that would change the way we live. Because God, this I know, as we dig a hole in the roof, you will change our nation. You will change homes, change marriages, change relationships, So I just pray, Lord God, that this would be a time where we become aware that we are our brother's keeper. Amen.